as barheads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for this tremendous privilege, this honor of gathering together as family in a unity that you've provided, Father, for each one of us to enjoy. Thank you for the unity that you've provided to this congregation as a whole as well. It gives us this divine privilege of fellowshipping in your son's good name. Father, thank you for this church and thank you for the spiritual gifts that continue to function to keep it alive and kicking in a generation that's just so very much seemingly accelerating away from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the privilege of doing this difficult work. Thank you for giving us the opportunity of laying down our lives for others. And thank you for Sunday mornings like this that we can be recharged, reinvigorated, and energized by the power of the Spirit as we learn your word. What a precious thing this is. May we never become familiar with it. Father, we pray for those that are in the congregation that can't be with us here this morning. We just want them to know that our spirit goes out to them, that our prayers are with them. Thank you for returning individuals such as Kathy Johnson to the fold, healthy, at least with improved health, Father. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to cancel out that debt against us to make a morning like this a reality. We do just ask for your blessings on this morning's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, we got a new series title. This may not be a series, but at least a new message title. We finished up 23 parts, if you recall, on the topic of undistracted devotion to the Lord. This morning's message title is sort of an offshoot of that series. It's titled, Practice These Things and the God of Peace Will Be With You. It's a ripoff from Holy Scripture, as we're going to see this morning. Practice these things and the God of Peace will be with you. Again, on Thursday, we finished up a 23-part series titled, Undistracted Devotion to the Lord. We were given some final wisdom from the Spirit worth reiterating here this morning. So let's do that. Let's start that way on a nice, comfortable, familiar note. Go to Psalms uh, 111.10. Psalm 111.10. We'll start there. Again, as is always the case after a lengthy series like that one, uh, there's some, I like to call it, coming out of the mine shaft. We dig deep into the Word of God like a, like a miner would go looking for truth. Uh, we find and note things all along the way. We sort of jot down notes on the walls, if you would, and on our way back we make note of these things. And that's what we're doing. We're sort of, today's sort of a summary lesson of the past 23. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love that. Fear, respect, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, you can't go anywhere in the spiritual life without this being intact. This is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, there's no wisdom beyond 
something that doesn't have the fear of the Lord as the underpinning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. And so that second sort of phrase, a good understanding have all those who do His commandments, it ties it all together. Up here on the board, those who do His commandments. Remember the message title this morning is Practice These Things. Those who do His commandments. The Word tells us that there is a difference between those with good understanding and fools. We'll see Proverbs 18.2 in a moment. But the Word dogmatically states that there is a difference between those with good understanding and fools. Wisdom is understanding that obedience is good for self. That adolescent attitude that a lot of people take with them to the spiritual life. Uh, doesn't fly in the Word of God. Wisdom is understanding that obedience is actually good for self. Obedience is sort of a, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but a swear word to a, a young person, to an adolescent type believer. They don't want to obey. They have that, you know, that teen, I don't want to call it angst, but that teen uh, attitude towards any commandment. Don't tell me what to do that type of an attitude, and that's just folly. Wisdom is understanding that obedience is good for self. Fools reject this concept. Here's the scriptural reference I promised up here on the board. I'll give you the Amplified with an extra verse up front. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2 in the Amplified reads, He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A closed-minded fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his personal opinions, unwittingly displaying his self-indulgence and his stupidity. Again, he who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A closed-minded fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his personal opinions, unwittingly displaying his self-indulgence and his stupidity. Again, all that from Psalm 111, verse 10. Let's see, read that again. Verse 10 reads, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Again, up here on the board, the principle that the Spirit's making here right out of the gate those who do His commandments, those are the ones with a good understanding. It's, it's the same sphere, if you would, the same functional sphere. Those who do have a good understanding. Those who have a good understanding do. It's, it's a collective, if you would, of thought. So the Word tells us that there is a difference between those with good understanding and fools. We just saw that in Proverbs 18.2. Wisdom is understanding that obedience is good for self. Fools reject it. Fools don't want to obey. Fools don't want to hear what God has to say about their own lives even. Another verse that seems to have made its way into our messages quite a bit on this topic up here on the board. I'll give you the Amplified Classic this time. Proverbs 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Get wisdom. That's like a self-fulfilling 
engine, if you would. If you want wisdom, the first thing to do is possess a desire for it. Go get it. Doing what you're doing right now, gathering together on a Sunday morning, doing this thing, learning the Word of God, opening up your Bibles, listening to a prepared man of God teach you. These, this is the beginning of wisdom. Get it. If you never show up for the meal, you're going to starve. You're not going to have any of that energeo, that Greek word energy that God uh, has purposed in our lives. The beginning of wisdom, then, is get wisdom. Sounds almost silly to say it that way, doesn't it? But how many people are supposedly Christians this morning not getting wisdom? Not pursuing wisdom? Preparing for some worldly things? Who knows? I don't know. That's between them and the Lord. But it's, it's almost silly to say the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Sounds obvious, but yet so many people don't do it. Get wisdom, skillful and godly wisdom, for skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. I mean, what good is walking around in a, a stupor your whole life? What good is walking, walking around in this world and not having any wisdom, not knowing up and down or left and right? Woe to the one, right, who has those reversed. So says uh, Isaiah, so wrote Isaiah. Woe to the person. And with all you have gotten, get understanding. What? Discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. If you recall, the instigating principle for this emphasis on wisdom was this up here on the board. It was that last question that the Spirit put out in our 23-part series. How are we sanctified? How does that work? It was sort of that last question that sort of was the tie that bound a lot of the materials together. Most Christians make gross estimations about how God goes about sanctifying them. The most common in our area, at least, is the religious estimation of sanctification. Individuals who say, well, I just got to do all these good works and God will be pleased and therefore God's pleasure will lead to sanctification and therefore heaven. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's humankind trying to supplant God's grace. Anything good in us, as we've learned, so says Holy Scripture, by the grace of God we we are what we are. Amen? And that's it. That's as good as it gets. The very best we have to offer is by the grace of God. We're not supposed to put ourselves on a works program to prove that we're being sanctified. God says He promises to sanctify us. So the most common error, or gross estimation in our area at least, is the religious estimation of sanctification. Many self-professing Christians don't even know what sanctification is. At best, they understand the concept of spiritual growth, and that's Psalm 111.10 that we just looked at, Proverbs 4.7 and 9.10. Let me give you Proverbs 9.10 up here on the board. Proverbs 9.10, in the Amplified, the reverent fear of the Lord, that is, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome, is the beginning in the preeminent part of wisdom. Doing that thing, 
The reverent fear of the Lord, that is worshiping Him and regarding Him is truly awesome. I don't think this happens very often anymore. I don't even think individuals that present the gospel present God this way anymore. I mean, why would you have to repent if He's not awesome? What would you have to repent from? Who would you be responding to if God's not as awesome as He actually is? What's there to fear if He's not awesome? We have this like watered-down, emaciated, sort of uh, emasculated God that's begging people on street corners, please, please, please accept me as the holy God of the universe and then accept my withered son on a cross. Uh-uh. That's not the God I read about right here. Uh-uh. Not my God. My God is all-powerful. The reverent fear of the Lord, that is, worshiping Him and regarding Him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. Its starting point and its essence and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and spiritual insight. The simple point the Spirit's been making has been up here on the board. There's a blessing, the blessing of wisdom. It's good to acquire knowledge and wisdom for it gives us understanding And lo and behold, this righteousness results in fruit, namely peace. I mean, raise your hand if you don't want peace in your life. Who doesn't want? Isn't that what everybody is? All right, you ask a little kid, right? You know, when they have that sort of um, uh, unjaded, if if that's a word. They're not jaded yet. What do you want to do? If you could have one wish, I want peace on earth. Why would a young person say that? Why does it seem like every young person... Uh, why does, when they're asked that question, if you had one wish, peace on earth, why does everybody say that? Because everybody wants peace. Isn't that what everybody wants at the end of the day? I could live in a shack uh, in the woods, but if I have peace, I'm happy. I could live on a mansion on a hill, but if I have peace, I'm happy. I could be any, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's after this thing. Peace. You don't have to be smiling all the time. You know, you don't have to be driving an F1 go-kart and being, you know, going to Six Flags and, and shooting down at 70 miles an hour on a roller coaster. Woo! And your mouth's flapping and the hair's flying. You don't have to be doing that stuff. I mean, that stuff's like this, right? It's gone. You're like, oh, man, I feel sick. Afterwards, you're like, oh, why did I eat the cotton candy? You know, just embarrass myself over there in the trash can. That's, that's not Peace. That's like some sick estimation of humanity trying to like amuse themselves. That's not the end goal. We're not going to be doing that stuff in heaven. This is about peace, contentment. This is all abiding in God's love. Who doesn't want that? That's what everybody wants. It, I, I believe that the Bible tells us God put it there. That's part of our human faculties. We long for certain things, just like we long for fellowship. Just like we long for intimacy and love, right? Yeah. So it's good to acquire knowledge and wisdom, for it gives us understanding. This righteousness results in fruit, namely peace. And everybody's looking for it. And then a bald guy comes up behind, on a, on a, behind the pulpit on a Sunday morning and says, You know what? 
I know how you can get it. It's really simple. You ready? Here it is. Ta-da! Open your Bible and start reading. Do you want peace in your life? You ready? Open your Bible and start reading. Some of you have timers on your coffee makers in the morning, right? God forbid you forget your coffee. That's part of your routine, right? Some of you swoop by and get the 99-cent special at Cumbies. Some of you more uh, whatever spend $3.50 at Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks because you're not that intelligent, apparently. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Joey's the only one. No, Lenny, yeah, he's turning his around. He's like, nope, nope. I'm just kidding. You know, seriously. But if that's part of your routine, why wouldn't this be? Honest to goodness, why wouldn't that be part of your routine? Open your Bible and start reading. And don't depend on me to impart this kind of wisdom to you because I cannot. I'm a bus driver. I say, hey, look at that. Look out the window. Look at that nice scripture over there. Hey, look at the flowers over here. Look at this. Smell the roses. Get off the bus. Go over there. Do this. Get out of the thicket, please. Right? Let's do all this stuff. You know, but all I am is a bus driver. I'm not the Holy Spirit. God's the one with all the power. God, the Holy Spirit, is the one with all the power to transform you, not Pastor Ed. I'm just some guy. You know, like 10 years ago, people just called me Ed or worse. Why is Tammy laughing? That's kind of messed up. I don't know what to think. You know what I'm saying, though? I'm not, I'm not here to impart wisdom to you. I'm just a bus driver. Open your Bible and start reading. That's a command found in the Word of God, by the way. Not something that your beloved pastor has made up to oppress you. Go to 1 John 5.3. 1 John 5.3. I know, I know, you're going to open your Bible and there, smack dab in the middle, are going to be commandments. And there's going to be stuff to do. But yet, look at our message title, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. Do, in other words. Don't just be merely a hearer who deludes themselves. Do. Don't just come to class and learn. It's wonderful. I'm happy to see your faces, by the way. It's wonderful to see you here learning the Word of God. Fantastic. Wonderful. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, right? But at the end of the day, if you want real peace in your life, you actually have to practice the things that you, know, you preach, so to speak. You have to practice the things that you learn. 1 John 5.3 For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. You see the obedience, love, it's all the same sphere. We just talked about that earlier, the sphere for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And you know what? His commandments are not burdensome. That's not Pastor Ed saying that. It's not, you know, when I say that, it's not me trying to talk you down from some ledge. Oh, it's not that bad. You know, oh, just, you know, hang in. It's not that bad. You know, like some human wisdom or some kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's what the Word says. And if the Word says His commandments are not burdensome, you know what? They're not. You just haven't gained the right perspective yet. Maybe you've been religious about His commandments. Maybe you've put yourself on a treadmill with His commandments. Maybe you've perverted the whole process. But what I see in the Bible is that His commandments are not burdensome. 
That means that if I've got a, if I'm if I'm struggling with his commandments, it must be something I'm doing wrong. It must be a perspective that I lack. And that's why you come to class. To help. Here's a layman's translation up here on the board. The Living Bible reads 1 John 5:3. Loving God means doing what he tells us to do. And really, that isn't hard at all. No, it's really not. Loving God means doing what He tells us to do, and really, that isn't hard at all. Over the past couple of years, excuse me, we've had a lot of focus on one topic in particular. Obedience. Just obey. Do you want peace in your life or not? Then just obey. You want to lose peace in your life? Disobey. God gives grace to the humble. Ta-da. See, I'm just a bus driver. You see, look, see. See? Obedience. Now, only you can discern for yourself why this is, why the Spirit's been bringing up this topic of obedience so often. Maybe you've been willfully disobedient. Or maybe you've been ignoring the convicting ministry of the Holy Spirit altogether. Or maybe you haven't done anything like these things and are simply seeing some of this for the first time. I'm not here to judge. I don't know. All I know is that the concept of obedience has been at the forefront of our messages and the blogs. Did you know I wrote a blog? I hope you read this last week. Jeez. This last week was so encouraging. Some of you are like, it was? It really was. Just throwing it out there. But all I know that the concept of obedience, it's been in our messages from the pulpit. It's been coming through the blogs. So the Spirit has something to say on the topic. The other major emphasis that I've noticed the Spirit has impressed upon us is in the practical side of holy doctrine. In other words, the practical side of whatever it is we're discussing. And in this case, it's obedience. So he never just says obey and then just be done with it. He says obey and then hear. Here's how to obey. Here's who to obey. Go to Hebrews 13, 17. So there's a practical emphasis in all of this as well. Just like the title says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice this activity in our lives. It doesn't mean become religious. One particular form of obedience, as Holy Scripture states, is in Hebrews 13, 17. Hebrews 13, 17 reads, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Who am I? A leader. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they keep watch over your souls. What do you think I'm doing here? You really think I wanted to grow up and be a bus driver? That's a joke. That's like a play on the blog. Anybody? No? They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. What do you think I'm doing? 
Why do you think I'm here? Why do you think he gave me the heart he gave me? Why do you think he gave me the abilities he gave me? The spiritual gift. Why do you think he did all those things? It wasn't because I asked, I swear to you. It was not. But nonetheless, I have these gifts and I watch over your souls. I don't do it for me. My life's okay. I have my own problems, my own successes. This is about you. You see, obedience is not about me. I don't, I'm not some power monger that wants your obedience. You know what I'm getting at? I'm not that guy. I wasn't built that way. Obedience is for you. And that's what the Bible tells us. If you want peace in your life, then obey. And if it includes a person like myself, then obey. Because guess who put me here? God did. Guess who put this man in your life? If you're sitting here for the very first time, and there are, there's someone here I know for the very first time that's sitting here. You're here for a reason. From eternity past, God put you here. From eternity past, and God never makes any mistakes. You had to hear this lesson from this vessel. Yeah, but I don't really like that vessel. He's ugly, or he's arrogant, or his head's shiny. I don't know. Whatever your problem is with me, I don't care. It's not about me. It's about you. You're the one who benefits when you obey. So stop looking at the man. Consider what's actually coming out of my mouth. Consider what you see in Holy Scripture right there. I didn't inspire that. God the Holy Spirit did. And it literally says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this would be unprofitable for you. This would be unprofitable for you. I guess in the most extreme example, it would be, you know, you guys run me out of Dodge. I just can't take it anymore. You're so awful. You run me out of Dodge, and I just say, I can't do this anymore. Now you've got what? Now you're without a shepherd. Now what? You spend all your days, what, in a thicket? You know what I'm getting at? Don't do that. Don't do that. Obey. Make his job easy, for crying out loud. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, make my job easy. You know, send me candy. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to laugh. You guys are getting kind of like all serious. I don't like the obey thing. Make it easy on a person who lays down their life for you. And if you don't think that I'm doing that, I, t- I tell you with every fiber of who I am, who I am, go find somebody who you think is. If you don't trust this vessel, especially most of you by now, something's wrong. You got to go somewhere else. Really. I'm not about church numbers here. This is about getting people that are assigned to me under this leadership so that they can obey and have peace in their life so that they can grow in the grace and knowledge of God. I'd rather have three people sitting here than 3,000 if it's just those three that are assigned to me. God don't care about numbers. God looks at the heart. Again, obey your leaders and submit to them. Well, I'm going to give you something right now that you can obey. Or you can choose not to, because I'm not going to call you afterwards and say, are you obeying me? 
Did you hear Hebrews 13, 17? If you didn't, let me read it to you. I'm not going to do that. Someone's like, whoa! David's like, I definitely am not obeying. I'm still in my flesh. <laughs> probably not even David. Probably Sean, maybe. Is Sean here? Oh, no. So it's definitely David. Settle down, David. I'm hoping you obey my wishes for you on this. So I'm just going to share. And I'm speaking from personal experience here. And just keep this in mind. I'm the guy who actually is the, the, the writer. I pen these messages, right? There's a whole lot of interplay between myself and God the Holy Spirit with these, you know, messages. I find it super, super beneficial to take five, ten minutes every so often and simply peruse the website outlines. Just go on the website. You know, everything's categorized. Just go on to say pulpit lessons. And just go to the outlines and read the outlines. You might be amazed at what the Spirit will reward you with. There's just something about swooping over weeks, months, or even years of messages at 50,000 feet. Just sort of swooping over them. Where have we been over the past year? Let me see. I'll go to the, I'll go to the outlines. They're all right there. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Oh, look at, and look at how he progressed this topic in our curriculum. Look at how he developed this thing in our curriculum. Look at how he was doing this thing. How beautiful it is, the Holy Spirit's work in our curriculum. The big picture perspective is immediate and lasting. You're going to get things out of doing that exercise that you will never get. Even if you're here every Sunday, I kid you not. Because nobody has a perfect memory. Even if you're here every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Thursday, you go to every Bible study, you read every blog, you're still going to gain something if you do what I just said. Just go back and review. And if, you take, if you're a person who takes copious notes, then review your notes, whatever. We took all the guesswork out. Go back and review the outlines and see where it takes you. It's amazing. It only takes a few minutes of your time. Think about it this way. I mean, I'm going to assume you read your Bible, right? I'm not going to look at anybody. Well, that spans thousands of years. We might read across years or even decades of events by simply reading a few chapters in the Bible. Whether we realize it or not, we are gaining valuable big-picture wisdom when we do this. Frankly, it's no different if you spend, I don't know, 10 minutes reading a few outlines over the past few weeks, months, or years from North Christian Church. I mean, it's kind of the way the Bible's written, isn't it? Yeah. You don't even have to read every single outline in, se in, in sequence. I suggest you read them somewhat in sequence, either forward or backwards to kind of maintain continuity. But you don't have to read every single one. Maybe you read... Maybe you skip five, or maybe you skip ten at a time, just to see where we've been. Or maybe read the first and last outline of each series. Maybe one in the middle if it's really long, like this past one. I don't know. Some kind of strategy where you get an idea. You get that 50,000 foot, you know what I'm saying? You know when you're, like, say, 30,000 feet in an airliner, and you look down, and everything's just whipping by. And you, don't, you don't see the details. You see, like, the mountainous terrains, and you see, you know, and it gives you that perspective.
I promise that you'll enjoy the results if you're truly humble and invest undivided time and attention to the activity. And that's the end of what I have to say on that. But again, verse, you still in verse 17? Obey your leaders and submit to them. You just got a direct submission. <laughs> I just submitted something to you. It's your turn. Obey, submit to the authority in your life that said, do this thing. It's good for you. So I'm be like, nope. That would conflict with my fantasy football schedule. I'm not able to do my changes. You know, I got to hit the wave of wire. Nobody plays fantasy. People are like, what the heck is he talking about? Some of you know. Some of you spend more time on football games than you do in the Word of God. Drastically more time. What does that say? Just put that in perspective. What does that say? So you listen to, uh, I don't know, I almost said Marv Albert. Was he even an announcer? Is he still alive? I don't know, Chris Collinsworth? Someone like that? Right? You listen to that guy more than you listen to me. He says, oh, watch Julio Jones. Watch this play. Watch this on replay. Watch his talent. Watch his this. And you're like, Then your pastor stands before you by the grace of God with the power of the Spirit upon him and says, hey, take 10 minutes and peruse the outlines. I don't think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to have some of this buffalo chicken dip. So let's just put a capstone on our previous series now by summarizing a few principles regarding devotion in general. For we know up here on the board, remember we're coming out of the mine shaft. We're 23 parts, a long time. Um, so we're just sort of grabbing some concepts on the way out and synthesizing them, and the Spirit's making some last minute donations to your soul. Undistracted devotion to the Lord. To devote oneself to the Lord's will is to devote oneself to Him. Well, you could say that vice versa. To devote yourself to Him is to devote yourself to His will. Your choice. They both work. That's the sphere, right? It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and my commandments are not burdensome. That's what is going on in that verse that we just read not so long ago. To devote oneself to the Lord's will is to devote oneself to Him. As we've been learning, this essentially boils down to a couple of basic primitives in the spiritual life. One has been coming from this pulpit for a very long time, humility, and one more concentrated as of late, obedience. But these are two primitives that have been coming from this pulpit. Humility and obedience Humility and obedience. And in other words, if you love him, then obey him. For years, and you'd see this if you went back over some older outlines as suggested, the Spirit's been developing humility in us. What it is, who defines it, how to identify it in ourselves, Etc. I don't know, me personally, 
I had, I had um, a lot of false humility in me at one point. I was like, oh, I'm so humble. And then he's like, you're really not. You're kind of a jackass. I'm like, oh, man, I could get this. I could get this from my friends. <laughs> I'm saying, man, this is rough. You see, a humble, that's an arrogant person, though. See, a humble person would be like, thank you. Thank you for letting me know. I didn't realize I was disoriented. See, an arrogant person says, what? We have to actually learn what humility is, and we have to learn to identify it in ourselves when it's real and when it's fake. So these things have been teaching us for years now, what humility is, who defines it, how to identify it in ourselves. But you see, all along, he's had a longer-range goal in mind. And that goal is to usher you into the sphere of obedience. Because without humility, you never come to obedience. You'll never want to obey. Not, he, so he wants to usher you into the sphere of obedience, not to effectively shoehorn you into this so-called sphere, but to draw you into it, understanding that within the same sphere is love. He says, if you, want to understand, if you want to experience my love in time, obey. That's, that's, that's our connective tissue, isn't it? Think about it. He says, just, I'm calling you. you know, that's a, that, all right, so here's God. Here's you. Hey, come over here. No. Well, here's the sphere of love. Hey, come over here. Okay, I'll obey. I'm in the sphere of love. Duh. Not difficult. Not rocket science. That's what obedience is. It's orienting. It's following His will. He's drawing you to Himself so that you can actually understand what is love. So you can actually experience true peace. That's message title. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice implies obedience. He says, here's the things I want you to practice. Okay. And when you do them, you'll have my peace. The peace that Jesus promised. When he said, my peace I give to you. But obedience, you cannot circumvent or hop over obedience. It doesn't work that way. Some of you are like, but I'm disobeying right now. God knows. There are whole parts of my life that I'm disobeying the Word of God. God knows. And what do you think He's been saying to you? Stop it. You can't change yesterday, so don't be riddled with guilt. Just stop it today. Say no more. Okay. Why? Because your peace depends upon it. There's a reason why you don't have peace. It's because you're disobeying the holy God of the universe, the one who saved you, who sanctifies you, who's continually trying to sanctify you. So hopefully you see that connective tissue. We might say that one of the great principles we've learned over the past 23 messages up here on the board is this. On the topic of undistracted devotion to the Lord, obedience and love exist within the same divine sphere. I should say within there, probably be more proper, but 
Obedience and love exist within the same divine sphere. I know, right? See, there's a lot of people who say, oh, but I, I love. Yeah, but that's not functional love. Remember functional love from about six months ago? That's not functional love. That's dysfunctional. D-Y-S, dysfunctional love. There's a difference. Obedience and love exist within the same divine sphere. Well, I love, but I don't want to obey. That's dysfunctional love. Functional love, the one that bears good fruit like peace, obeys. That's the sphere that we're talking about. Obedience and love exist within the same divine sphere. And we cannot try to modify it like hack Christendom does has nowadays, or has done nowadays, or other religions or cults have done. Oh yeah, you can have, the, you can have all of God's love, but you don't have to obey. I don't see that in Scripture at all. As a matter of fact, I see the exact opposite. Oh, you don't have to have any love in your soul. All you have to do is obey. Sounds like religion. That's a whitewashed tomb. That doesn't work either. You see, they're in there together. The kind of obedience and the kind of love that the Spirit is teaching us this morning is in one sphere. I call it the divine sphere. You can call it whatever you want. But that's where God is. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Hey, come here. Come with me. Obey. You want to get to me? I don't know how to get to you, God. Obey. Okay, jump left, jump right, jump left, jump like, like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Jump left, jump right, jump right. Indiana Jones, nobody, right? Okay, you made it. Woo! But what if you just dis- disregarded God altogether? You get stuck in the neck with a spear, right? Because it comes out of the wall. Nobody? Or you get run over by the big ball. That thing. Why? Because you weren't paying Because I don't have time to obey. I just want to get to there. So I'm going to do it my way. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Obedience and love exist in the same divine sphere. We cannot say that we love the Lord and yet disobey His commands. John 15.10 It's a blessing among blessings to abide in this sphere. It's fantastic. It says, I invite you in. You're my children. If you're saved, you're my child. I don't want you out there in the cold, right? It'd be like watching your child get, you know, especially nowadays it's getting cold. Watch them out there in the cold shivering because they're being a stubborn jackass because, they, you know, they're going to run away. Remember those days? I'm running away. And they sit on the porch and freeze, and then they come in like 15 minutes later. Can I have some, like, toast or something? And your parents are like, yeah, good runaway. <laughs> you don't even care. You're watching Jerry Springer. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh. John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Don't you see what's going on here? He's just saying, listen, stop with all the lawyering. Stop with trying to find ways like an adolescent to get out of the commandments. Just obey. You know what my heart is. You know what I want out of you. I want you to be with me. I want you to enjoy the peace that I give. I I want you to enjoy the the things that I have by grace that I've given to you. I don't want you to disobey. I just want you to obey. Is this really hard, people? I want you to be in my warm home. I want you to bounce up and down my lap. But if you refuse to come to me, if you, refuse, if you say, I'm going to take my own way, you don't get there. 
You can only see my lap from a distance, maybe. You don't get in there. You're cold. You're, you're miserable. You don't have peace because you are ignoring me. You're disobeying me. And by the way, that's the way of the sons of disobedience, people that are unsaved even. That's why Paul said, aren't you kind of acting like mere carnal people at this point? Can't you do that once in a while? I do. I mean, he never lets me go, but can I, can't we act that way? Yeah. And what happens when I disobey? I lose peace. With those things in mind, let's go ahead and read some passages to wrap up our thoughts over the past few months. Go to Philippians 4.4. 4. What a fantastic, fantastic passage this is. Oh, Philippians 4.4. 4. I was reading it. I, didn't, I, I just Sometimes I just write down Scripture, you know what I mean? And, uh, well, you don't, but I write down Scripture and when I'm preparing, and I don't know everything that's stuffed in there yet. I only know the passage he wants me to bring forth. And then I start reading the passage closely to see if he wants me to pluck anything out, and it's like, oh my word, this is exactly the perfect summary of what we've been talking about. It's unbelievable. God's kind of cool, huh? <laughs> Pretty awesome. Philippians 4.4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Amen? Say it. No, rejoice. Jeez, come on. Stay with the program. Obey, submit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what did you guys say that was funny? Oh, amen. That's better than rejoice. Well, whatever. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say what? Thank you. Jeez, slow learners. Man. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. For some of you, that's a big thing. And it's a command. Let your gentle spirit be known. I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of um, Scripture in their soul that are rough around the edges, that are coarse, that have very little patience with other people who would just as well prefer to go live in a cave and not show another human being any warmth. That's a tragedy. And actually, it's against the Word of God. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Do you see how much is in there? Are you seeing that? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Whew. Up here on the board, I'm going to give you some pause here. But in everything. Now, you need to stop and absorb the word everything. This means that everything, I'm not going to make you yell again, Everything in your life should pass through the divine filter or lens of the Word. Everything. I mean, when you walk out that door and you stub your toe and you say, you know, and you look down and you say, thank you, Lord, for making me not fall flat on my face in front of all these nice people. Thank you for giving me the ability to walk. Thank you for giving me the ability to step over the threshold. It's my fault anyways because I was eating a Twinkie or whatever is back there today. Whatever. Right? Everything. 
should pass through the filter or the lens of the Word of God. In everything, rejoice always, right? In everything, gives thanks, because that's God's will for you. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. 16 says, rejoice always. 17 says, pray without ceasing. Sounds almost the same, doesn't it? Almost like there's a theme that Paul kept getting at. Almost like the New Testament really isn't all that difficult at all, and it's not. Once you get the gospel straight, it's very easy. It's just the same, same, same from different angles. That's all it is. It's just you're seeing the writings of shepherds inspired by God to write things to flocks that were disoriented this way or disoriented that way or were failing this way or failing that way. That's, that's all you see in the Word of God. But the, but the gospel truth is just sitting there the whole time. And you've got shepherds defending it, do you see? Showing themselves approved, rightly handling the Word of God, right? Showing themselves approved, defending that thing with everything they've got. Doing that thing that matters most in everything. Whose faith are you supposed to imitate? Mine. What am I doing right now? Defending. Almost bawling. Mm. Why? Because I'm overwhelmed. Aren't you overwhelmed? In everything? You mean in everything? You mean when I'm on the toilet? Yes. Thank you. I know people are like, what's wrong with this guy, right? <laughs> but this shouldn't laugh. I'm serious, you shouldn't laugh. There's some people who can't even go on the toilet. Some people go on a toilet and sit there forever, like Sean. <laughs> what are you doing in there? He said, my brother taught me how to do it. This is my place of zen and peace, they call it. I don't know what's going on in that wing of the house. Kids go disappear for hours. What are you doing in there? They send a little periscope under the door. TMI? Oh, well. Everything, see? And everything. You choose the point. Everything, no stone left unturned. Everything. Get the point. So this means that everything in your life should pass through the divine filter lens of the word. As a shepherd counts his sheep under the rod, so our great shepherd accounts for every word and deed. He's watching. He's calling you every single day. He's sanctifying you every single day. He saves you, as we've learned, every single day. Colossians 3.17, whatever you, up here on the board, whatever you do in word or, do, or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay, that's three, three uh, passages now, right? First Thessalonians, Philippians, and now Colossians. He's saying the same thing. He's just saying the same thing. Do you want to know what, where peace comes from? Practice these things. What is he talking about? Whatever you do in word or deed, same thing. Practice these. We haven't even got to that verse yet. Practice these things, right? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, through him to God the Father. Seriously, you mean he really is just saying the same thing over and over? Pretty much. Pretty much. So it's not, it's overwhelming how simple it is. Again, look at verse 6 of Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing. 
I'm going to have to close soon because I'm going to like blow out at the seams. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, in supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And just like the Spirit's been teaching us for months now, there is a cause-effect relationship between obedience and blessings. Obedience and blessings. Look at verse 7. He said, do these things, and guess what? You ready? The peace of God. There it is, right on the coattails of what he just said. These simple things that we saw in like three other passages already. If you just do these simple things, guess what? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. Whoa! (laughs) You see how easy it is? Obey! That's it! Do these things. Practice these things. It's not even burdensome. Come on. All we're trying to do is fellowship with God. God's saying, listen, I created this whole world. Your life is in my son. That's it. Period. End of story. You go away from him, you lose. You come draw an enemy, you win. Any questions? What are you doing? That's basically it. Philippians 4, 7. Do these things in the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I suppose there are few things more unsettling than a loss of peace in this life. Few things. I mean, what's worse than that? What's worse than losing peace? You know, you can go through suffering, you can get boo-boos, you can do this, you can make mistakes, you can sin. You can do all kinds of things. But if you lose peace in any serious way, for any length of time, it's scary. Like it's unsettling. I think there's few things more unsettling than a loss of peace. Yet, every day, believers forfeit their own peace in favor of the unrighteous fruit of disobedience. Because we know what the Bible says, the, fruit, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We did all that work months ago. We know this, we see it in Scripture, and yet... Believers, day in and day out, forfeit their own peace. God says, come to me. Do the Indiana Jones thing. I'm telling you the right way. I'm not doing this to hurt you. And you'll get peace. Nope. I don't do it my way. That's the human way. Even as believers. We prefer disobedience. So much of our time has been spent on gaining perspective. Something Paul write about next. Duh. Look at, look at the progress. This is this chapter. It's mind-blowing. Probably not even get through it now. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, you want some perspective on all of this? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise... Dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. You know, I don't think I'm going to see any of that uh, during the football game this afternoon. I don't think I'm going to see anybody saying that. I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to hear. You ready? Because I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to watch it because I like the sport, whatever. 
right? The big guard that goes up in my soul is idolatry because that's what the announcers want. Look at how amazing this guy is. He can throw a football 190 miles. I'm like, what? It's like, what's that guy in Napoleon Dynamite, the cousin? Uncle Rico. It's like Uncle Rico. Right? See, I had to ask my son for the record because I'm not that sick like him. Right? Look at him. He's an idol. He's an, he should be your idol. That's not dwelling on honorable things. That's not dwelling on pure. That's idolatry. You want me to idolize a guy that can throw a pigskin? You, you want me to idolize a guy that can run into an end zone? Big deal. It's fun to watch and it's fun to root on, but I mean, that's as far as it goes. But that's not where it goes for the average person that's watching that game. They got idols, idolatry being built up, right? And then they wonder why on Monday they're miserable if they're not hungover too. Why are they miserable? Because they, they didn't spend their Sunday afternoon dwelling on righteous things. They spent their Sunday afternoon idolizing people. That's disobedience. We're not supposed to have idols. That's one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Don't do this thing. Yet, that's what we do. America's famous for it. It's our great export, right? I do write a blog. I wrote a blog on that, just saying. Our greatest export, our culture, idolatry is part of it. Look at verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. See, his, he's saying mimic, right? Mimic my faith, imitate my faith. Same guy wrote that. Uh, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There's our message title. I think I'll probably end there after I give you a... Uh, did I give that up there already? Oh, I was already up there already? Oh, you guys have been looking at it the whole time? <laughs> Shame on you! <laughs> the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me... Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, let me read my thing, even though you guys have apparently read it already. Practice, which is a cause and effect, and is an effect. See? Practice, that's the cause, and there's an effect. And, he says, and there's an effect in you. That's what you see. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice, do, obey. And you get peace. Learn to maintain divine perspective, that which is gained from the Word by reading the Bible. And the effect is that the God of peace will be with you. That's verse 9. And the peace of God will guard your hearts. That's verse 7. In other words, what do you see? Obedience and blessing. Cause and effect. Doing Peace. They're all the same thing. It's not rocket science. Just do the will of God. Just do the will of God. Cause and effect. Learn to maintain divine perspective. Read your Bible. That was one of the first things he said this morning. That's how you get it. And the effect is that the God of peace will be with you, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to study your word here and fellowship together as family and the unity that you've provided. 
Father, we just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned out to a lost and dying world, Father, that needs it so desperately. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.